Chapter 11 Hi, I'm Andy Jones with Forest Firm. We're a full-service business law firm focused on providing superior client value, including to startups in and around North Carolina. As president of Forest Firm, I get to wear the leader's hat every day. I know that I have a spotlight on me, and my team is looking to me to show them the way. What I've learned over the years, and what you'll hear about in this chapter, is leadership is not about being the smartest or the loudest in the room. It's about listening and gathering information from smart people so you can make the best decisions. It's not about short-term wins. It's about big picture strategy. It's not about being liked. It's about being respected. The leader's hat is a heavy hat to wear, but it's so important to the success of your business, especially as you're building your team. Listen closely to what David has to say in this chapter so you can avoid mistakes. Lead your team and grow from founder of your startup to leader of your organization. Chapter 11, The Leader's Hat. I believe there is a big difference between wearing the manager's hat and wearing the leader's hat. Stephen Covey illustrated this concept brilliantly when he said that management is like providing the tools, process, and plans to most effectively get teams to cut down trees. Whereas leadership is the guy who climbs the highest tree and yells, wrong forest. I often tell my founders that if they expertly manage the wrong things, then their team members will simply do them faster all day long. Managers ensure that a team has the training and resources necessary to get a job done, and they monitor that process to ensure that the job really is getting done. By contrast, the first responsibility in wearing the leader's hat is to provide clear strategic direction. You have to be the one to ensure that your managers have all been tasked with managing things that are going to ultimately move your company in the direction it needs to go. When you slide this hat on, it's time to think about the big picture. Pull your head out of operations and stop thinking about tactics, efficiencies, and process improvement. Instead, start thinking about your overall strategic direction. While wearing this hat, everything is on the table for consideration. They ask themselves if they should even be selling widgets any longer. Successful startup entrepreneurs have to have both a microscope and a telescope in their pocket at all times. Most people gravitate to one or the other, but not entrepreneurs. When I invest in a founder, I always look for these people that can drill down on very specific problems and details when they need to, but then are able to instantly zoom way back out to see how that smallest part fits into the overall big scheme. This way of thinking is a must. If you stay at the big picture level, then you won't be able to build all of the little parts you need to fulfill that vision. However, if you always keep your head down in the details, then you are certain to lose your way. You have to constantly be looking at the stars and then back at your sails, ropes, and pulleys before looking back at the stars again to accomplish both navigation and propulsion simultaneously. I always try to get my senior management teams to stop thinking tactically at least once a month and take the time to help me think strategically. This can be a real challenge in the heat of the day-to-day -day battles. Sometimes I'd invite them to my home or beach house 
to get them away from the disruptions of the office and the patterns of office thinking. I would facilitate the discussion by asking open-ended questions. Have our experiences this month confirmed or caused us to question our target market, sales strategy, product roadmap, etc.? What are our competitors doing differently and why are they doing that? Is this still the industry where we should be focused? The art of strategic leadership is to question everything. Big companies have more people, more technology, and more resources than a startup. Our only advantage is that we can innovate, try things, and change direction hundreds of times faster than large organizations. Leaders push their teams to contemplate, iterate, learn, modify, and reapply as quickly as possible, because in a startup, this is our biggest advantage and most powerful weapon. I love reading books about great leaders, the problems they faced, and how they navigated crisis. Andy Grove, the iconic CEO of Intel, knew what it meant to wear the leader's hat. Intel was and always had been in the business of making memory chips. This is what built the company and made them successful. But when foreign competition started flooding their market with cheap memory chips, Grove could see the writing on the wall. He was famous for saying, only the paranoid survive. He called his management team together and asked, if the board decided to fire us all and bring in a new management team tomorrow, what would those guys do? This was Grove's way of getting his team to rethink everything from a fresh new perspective. It was a radical move, but under Grove's leadership, Intel stopped making memory chips altogether and started making processors for personal computers. The rest is history. Leaders know there are no guarantees. The very thing that made you successful last year might be the very thing that causes your downfall in the next year. Some view the leader's hat as a crown because of the authority it represents, but good leaders are far from dictators. Good leaders are conscientious builders. They are thoughtful and seek out opposing opinions. They genuinely want to understand all points of view, especially those different from their own. They take the time to socialize important decisions and welcome critiques of their thought process. Leaders are often unsure of what to do. They are painfully aware of the consequences of making mistakes. So they take their time to gather all the data they can get and all the opinions and counsel before making the hard calls. Some of the startup hats are what I call fast hats, while others are slow hats. The sales hat is certainly a fast hat, fully equipped with wind goggles. When you have this hat on, you want to make as many contacts as you can as quickly as possible. Check off those follow-up calls and flap your wings furiously if you want to get airborne. The same goes for administrative work. Do just good enough to get by and as quickly as possible. Other hats are slow hats, like recruiting and most certainly leadership. When it's time to slip on your leadership hat, it's going to feel very inefficient and time-consuming. This is another of those startup paradoxes where fast is slow and slow is fast. I assure you that if you try to get leadership done quickly, then you will most likely be rethinking, repairing, and redoing the same thing all over again. Take your time, socialize ideas, and gather all the feedback and viewpoints you can. 
Sit still and ponder all of the viewpoints and data you collect. Sleep on it. Ask more questions. Knee-jerk leadership is not leadership at all. Take the time that big decisions deserve. There are lots of ways to screw up wearing the leader's hat. The most common fashion blunder I see occurs when the crown slips down over the leader's eyes. Like kings of old, they mistakenly think that might makes right. Since I have the crown, I'll just make a quick and efficient decision without taking the time to gather feedback or to see how others interpret the same idea. They see only one point of view, their own. I'm too embarrassed to illustrate this point using one of the many sad examples I can recall from my early attempts at leadership, but trust me when I say that the best path is rarely seen with just one pair of eyes. Those not wearing the leadership hat properly often make underinformed decisions. Even when they do find themselves on the right path and look back, no one is wholeheartedly following them because their team had no part in helping to create that vision. When you close your eyes and try to picture a leader, what do you see? If your image is of someone talking, then think again. Great leaders spend far more time listening than talking. They must hear, understand, and contemplate many different perspectives before issuing just one mandate. So you have to be humble to wear this hat, but you also have to have tremendous self-confidence. I've seen would-be leaders that were afraid to ask for counsel of others because they feared that this would make them appear stupid or someone who does not know what to do. Well, guess what? Leaders often don't know what to do and are uncertain of which path to take. It is the fact that you acknowledge what you don't know that makes you a good leader. Ironically, your team will hold you in greater esteem for this honesty. Get it out of your head that you have to always be right to be the leader. You don't have to be, and you won't. What makes you a leader is that you understand and honor the process that statistically will lead your organization to the highest probability of well-informed decision-making. The worst way of all to wear the leader's hat is to just put it on partially. I've worked with star decision-makers who could wear the hat to make the easy calls, but who just could not keep it on when the decisions that had to be made got really difficult. Indecisiveness is a bigger problem than arrogance when wearing this hat, because the arrogant leader who blunders ahead without counsel or forethought will occasionally stumble onto the right path. Leaders who freeze in their tracks in the face of a daunting decision can paralyze their organizations. They just keep waiting for more information and for the correct path to become more obvious. Remember that making no decision is to make a decision. It's okay to let some big decisions simmer for a while, but ultimately almost any direction is better than no direction at all. The right direction might be to go down a certain path for a finite period of time and then reassess. It's okay to launch temporary initiatives and explore. Moving forward is a must for a startup because your resource clock is ticking and most often it is the things that we learn while groping forward that give us the information we need to perfect our future decision-making. Leaders have to be courageous. It's not easy making high-risk decisions with limited information, but that's your job. You know full well that the outcome of your decision in a few months may make you look like an idiot 
or the smartest guy in the world, but you know that neither of these is true. You are just the person who had to make the call, and you did your job as best you could with the information you could get at the time. You are the leader because someone has to be. Others have the luxury of second-guessing decisions and being Monday morning quarterbacks, but not the leader. They are not afraid to make mistakes once they've done their best to make the right call. As CEO of my companies, I can think of numerous really bad decisions I made, but we survived and learned and eventually flourished. Sometimes when I'm consoling one of my CEO founders sitting in the full realization of the consequences of a really bad call, I tell them this, if you did your homework, sought out every viewpoint, and made the best decision you could with the information you had available at the time, then that's all you can do. You did your job, right or wrong, be proud of that because it took courage. Besides thinking strategically, building consensus, and making the hard calls, Another important component of leadership relates to your authority and its preservation. As I've said, good leaders encourage differing opinions and debate, but once a decision is made, the leader should tolerate nothing but full and enthusiastic adherence to his or her mandate. Debate must come to an end. Companies can't thrive without a respected chain of command that ends with a strong leader at the top. Even when you can't bring the troops to a consensus, decisions still have to be made. Getting everyone to pull in the same direction, even if that direction is less than perfect, is always better than having a fragmented team pulling in different directions and bickering among themselves. The rank-and-file employees always need to feel that management is united behind the stated direction and strategy. Building a startup is like going to war. The stakes may not be as high as life and limb, but they often do include hearth and home. Imagine the general yelling, charge, on the battlefield, while various line commanders tell their troops, I told the general that this was a bad time to charge, or I think we'd do better to advance slowly. Some troops advance, others stay behind, and the battle is lost. When leadership is perceived as weak, Various individuals or groups within your company may not take ownership of the direction or do their part to see it through. They will continue to campaign for what they thought was better, complain about the current path and those supporting it, and even in some cases actively sabotage its success to prove their point. People will always be tugging at your leadership hat to see if it comes off. It is just human nature to test the limits of your own power and influence. As the leader, you have to make it perfectly clear that once your decision is made, that it is final. You expect 100% enthusiastic adherence to the stated plan because anything less is treason. On many occasions, after listening to my management team hotly debate a big decision without reaching a consensus, I would make the final call. After which, I would always remind them of my expectations. Thank you all for helping me make this difficult decision. I know you are all so passionate about this because you care deeply, and I appreciate that. Now that I have made the decision, I expect every one of you to support it as if it were your own idea. No one outside of this room should even know who held what viewpoint during our debates. As far as they are concerned, this decision was unanimous. And that is how it has to go. 
I would excuse my captains for making mistakes and screwing up as they experimented and tried new things, but there was never a second warning when it came to treason. Insubordination is a lesser offense that, if left unchecked, always leads to treason. Insubordination is when someone openly disrespects you or challenges your authority. Although towing the line, they grumble, make a negative public comment, or in some other way show their displeasure or disagreement with the decision you have made. This should never be tolerated. When someone comes to you privately and constructively suggesting that you reconsider something in light of new data not previously discussed, this is not insubordination. You will know disrespect when you see it, and like a stage 3 cancer, you had better be ready to act quickly. If others see you tolerate insubordination and do nothing, then the new norm in your company will be that insubordination is okay at all levels. This is the beginning of the end of your ability to lead. No company can thrive without a respected chain of command anchored by strong leadership at the top. Almost all of my first-time startup CEOs have struggled with firing team members even after repeated offenses of which any one of them should have been more than enough cause. They often feel guilty and make excuses for the offending or non-performing person. The problem has almost always spread to others in their young company before they realize how serious it is. The proverb of one bad apple spoiling the entire bunch has been around since ancient times because each generation rediscovers its wisdom. As unpleasant as it is, an occasional firing can be a good thing for your organization. There's nothing like heads rolling in the parking lot to snap everyone back in line. It communicates that you are serious about the chain of command and what you expect of your managers. At the first hint of insubordination, call the offending employee into your office or some other private place and express in no uncertain terms your displeasure in what you are detecting. If the first offense is small, I just give a stern warning. Do you feel that you are unable to enthusiastically support my decisions? Let them squirm for a minute. If they try to restate their argument, cut them off by saying that this is not about that. That decision has already been made. This discussion is about their inability to support a directive. End with a warning. I cannot tolerate this, so if I hear of or even sense the slightest hint of insubordination from you or concerning you from anyone else, I will be forced to dismiss you for cause. Am I clearly understood? Remember that as a leader, you don't have to be liked, but you do have to be respected. Everyone carrying the authority and burden of a leader's hat has to deal with insubordination at some point, and how decisively you deal with it will define your future effectiveness as a leader. You will have a lot less problem with insubordination if your managers feel that you take the time to really listen to them and understand their viewpoints and concerns prior to making your decisions. If you make decisions in a vacuum, then you are, in a sense, disrespecting your team by dismissing their expertise and frontline experience. Don't be surprised if that disrespect comes home to roost. Teams really support and get excited about their own ideas. So try to give credit to others, even for your own ideas. Keep asking leading questions until your team comes up with your idea on their own.
People are so supportive and emotionally attached to their own ideas. Remember that people tend to only support ideas that they had a hand in creating or shaping, so always try to use the ideas of others when possible. There is another marquee leadership quality. Leaders are confident. This is not the confidence of always being right, but rather the confidence that they know what their job is as a leader and that they are doing it correctly. Leaders must trust themselves, the decision-making process, and their judgment. Some entrepreneurs are always looking to a board member or advisor to make the decision for them. It does not help that some advisors view themselves as the source of all wisdom and actually take offense when entrepreneurs disagree with their counsel or choose to go a different direction. My advice to you is to trust yourself. I know what it's like. You live your startup every single day. You think about it as you fall asleep each night. In short time, you will have sat through hundreds of meetings and witnessed firsthand the exact moment when a prospect's eyebrow raised or forehead wrinkled when something was said. No advisor is living the way you are. You are the best and most qualified person to make the hard calls in your business. I challenge my entrepreneurs. I ask them to review the metrics. I may even tell them a sad story about how I once screwed up doing something similar. But in the end, I encourage each entrepreneur to go with his or her gut, listen to all wise counsel, and debate the hell out of the important decisions, but then make the call that feels right to you, even if you can't explain why. Regardless, once you make that call, it's the right call, and any advisor or board member worth his or her salt will honor and support that decision. The leadership hat is also equipped with a built-in megaphone, because leading is not just about making big decisions. It is also about taking the time to communicate those decisions to your troops. Startups are always experimenting and trying new things to see what works. Change is the only constant. Entrepreneurs are usually far more comfortable with change than the general population. We can review the facts and quickly become comfortable with a new direction or approach, but where we usually screw up is how we roll change out to our people. The rank-and-file staff will not have had the time that you have had to review all the data and wise counsel. This is where change management is critical. A leader knows that most people don't deal well with change. They fear the unknown and want the normalcy of predictability. When a change is called for, the leader has to take the time to get his or her organization comfortable with the move. If you turn the wheel of the bus too sharply, then team members can get slung out the windows in the process. Heading in the right direction is little consolation if you lose your team in the process. Leadership is not only about course adjustments, but also how to systematically and thoughtfully implement those adjustments. I encourage my startup CEOs to over-communicate with their managers and employees. Explain to your troops why certain decisions are being made and how important each of their roles relate to the success of the new strategy or direction. Take the time to send out company update emails discussing goals, celebrating individual and group successes, and explaining why a particular change is important. When staff members feel left in the dark, they start to feel unimportant. With the absence of real facts, employees can start to imagine the worst. 
When the CEO takes the time to communicate with the troops, the staff feels that their leader really values them. In a startup, usually full speed is the right speed, but not when it comes to change management. Slowing down to navigate a curve with your team is not inefficient. It's the only smart way to make a sharp turn. This may sound like it contradicts some things I've said previously, but leadership is also about focus and staying the course. It's true that much of your success in a startup will come from quickly trying different things and seeing what works, but this has to start settling down some as your venture matures. You can't keep chasing every shiny object. Good enough is often good enough. In other words, leaders have to know how to say no. It is often said that lack of focus is the primary reason startups fail. I don't say that because it makes entrepreneurs afraid to try new things. But it is true that much of what you do as the leader is to referee scarce resource allotments. Leaders know that everything you say yes to means that you'll have to say no to something else. Therefore, they are always thinking in terms of opportunity cost, i.e., the cost of not doing the next best option. It is good that you have created a culture of risk-taking and that you have demonstrated your openness to new ideas and suggestions, but the counterbalance to this is the need to occasionally rein in this flow of experimentation. Your managers will constantly be approaching you, asking for more resources or for your approval to pursue some new cool initiative. You'll want to say yes. I always hated to throw cold water on the enthusiasm of one of my team members, but leaders have to keep an eye on the big picture and limited resources. There are a lot of shiny objects and latest fads to chase. A top sales guy may want you to buy a list of contacts in the financial services space so he or she can test that new market's demand for your offering. Your product manager or lead developer is next in line to speak with you. Just because one company did well with a unique new user interface doesn't mean that you should immediately rewrite your interface to resemble it. A leader is constantly asking, is this core to our business strategy and primary value propositions? Is it a must-have or just a nice-to-have? If you aren't saying no a lot of the time, then your business will run the risk of being a mile wide and only an inch deep. You can help a disappointed manager understand your reasoning by pulling out the product roadmap or list of approved company initiatives and ask which one should be taken off the list to free up the time and capital needed for this new initiative. Remember that you don't have to always say no. Much of the time, you can just say, not now. It's not a bad idea. It's just one that we don't have the resources to implement at this time. There's one last thing I need to say about the leader's hat. It also comes with a built-in spotlight. Everyone in the company is always observing a leader. For this reason, they are thoughtful and careful with what they say and how they act. Leaders are mindful of their promises. They think about things before they respond because they know that they are often establishing policy or at least precedents when they answer a seemingly innocuous question from one of their troops.
This is an area of leadership where I had much to learn. I had to apologize to an employee once for saying something without thinking about its impact. I jokingly suggested to a group gathered in a hallway a course of action that inadvertently would have dramatically impacted his commission-based income. For days, he worried about how he would deal with this eventuality financially, and he even almost dropped his child's private school enrollment. I'll never forget what he said to me. Everything you say carries a lot of weight. If you are the leader, then in some respects, you are the one holding the very livelihoods of your employees and their families in your hand, as well as a good chunk of their self-esteem. To be in such a position should be viewed as a sacred trust. It is a huge responsibility and one that should never be taken lightly. People are always observing their leader, hoping to find clues that these things are true and that we are indeed worthy of their loyalty. They see how we treat that person about to be let go. They see how we honor our business agreements and how we treat our partners, and they rightfully conclude that we will treat them no better. The leader that people want to follow is the one who sometimes takes a stand and says, we don't do business that way here. When dealing with my employees, I applied a simple three-question test before doing things I knew would impact them. Answering these questions honestly often changed my mind from a course of action, or at least the way I intended to go about it. 1. Is it necessary? 2. Is it fair? 3. Is it kind? The leader is viewed as the heart of the company, the one person who more than anyone else represents the values that make up the corporate culture. Climbing the face of the mountain is hard, and it should make you a little calloused, but never ruthless. Winning at all cost is not winning at all. So while in the fray, you have to make sure that you don't forget that who you are is different from the job you do. Long after your job is done, you will still have to live with you and the path of blessings or destruction in your wake. Remember that people admire competence, but they follow integrity. For much of my career, I have tried to define what integrity really means. I have come to believe that integrity is what happens when what you say you are believe, and value all perfectly line up with what you actually do. In other words, integrity only manifests itself through our actions. It is our actions that define us, not what we say we are or say we believe. In truth, our actions are the only window to the soul showing our true nature. If you don't know what kind of leader you are, then look to your actions. Likewise, if you want to be a different kind of leader, every decision is an opportunity to prove to yourself and your people the better person you have become. I don't plan on waxing too philosophical in a business how-to book, but I can tell you this. Many years from now, when you reflect on all the sound and fury of your ventures, you won't tend to dwell so much on the big mistakes or even the perfectly executed maneuvers but you will spend a lot of time thinking about the people who took those journeys with you and how you treated them. That concludes this chapter of The Startup Hats, Master the Many Roles of the Entrepreneur by David Gardner. If you like this chapter and you can't wait for the next one in a week, you can download and listen to the entire audiobook on Audible. 
Startup Hats is sponsored by Forest Firm, a full-service law firm and certified B Corporation with offices across North Carolina and clients around the globe. The Forest Firm mission is to provide legal services that consistently exceed client expectations, create healthy, sustainable work environments for professionals, and positively impact the communities where they live and work. For more information, head on over to forestfirm.com. For more information on the work that David Gardner is doing with his venture capital firm, visit cofounderscapital.com. Startup Hats is a production of EarFluence and read by me, Dave Clark. You can find more information on EarFluence podcast at EarFluence.com.